Hello and welcome to Euractus Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Julia Dam. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractus Agri-Food News Team. This week we talk about the State of the Union address, fertilizer imports and deforestation. All right, so let's dive right in. It was a busy week for EU agricultural policy. Finally Lots a busy week. Finally exactly, busy week. we're back. Uh, we're back from summer break. Uh, no time in, to chill anymore. Indeed, in Brussels, we always say that uh, you know there's nothing happening until the State of the Union address, which is the annual speech that uh, the Commission president. Uh, it's actually the eleventh year that they uh, started this habit, which is basically mirrored on the U.S. State of the Union speech that it's in January. So uh, at the beginning of September, the Commission president uh, um, addressed the MEPs in Strasbourg uh, by basically listing all the Commission initiatives in the, uh, not only not only listing the Commission initiative, but also showing the ambition uh, when it comes to the implementation of certain policies, and recently also how the EU is about to cope with a very serious uh, topic and uh, also with a global taste or global flavor like the pandemic last, last year and Ukraine this year, the situation in uh, Ukraine the, the, after the full-scale invasion of Russia. So, of course... Talking about Ukraine, you, you might think... Uh... We, we talk about food security, grain shipments, all that good stuff. Good stuff for us, of course. Like, I mean, for, our, for us that we are interested in the agriculture beat. But, uh, well, uh, not so much, huh? Not so much, not so much. Uh, a lot of people were actually disappointed by the fact that the there was no mention of the global food security issues. Uh, there was a lot of n on what the EU has done in order to cope with uh, the rise of uh, food prices or, or the support to farmers that are facing hardships. But at the same time, uh, agriculture and food weren't touched on uh, in the first uh, part of the speech, which is the one that... Uh, uh, most people followed actually, but in the um, in the second part, because uh, there's uh, of course von der Leyen uh, speaking, then the group leaders of the parliament are uh, replying immediately, and then there's a second part in which von der Leyen replied to the group leaders, and then there's also an, another a third part where von der Leyen replies to all the MEPs who took the floor. Uh, but uh, yeah, she mentioned food security and food issues only in the second part uh, uh, after, uh, basically, I think all the group leaders mentioned food uh, security or food uh, in the first round of, uh, of, of toss, if I remember correctly. For sure, uh, Manfred Weber uh, yeah, uh, from Definitely the, most of them. Yeah, Manfred Weber from the Christian Democrats. Uh, Manfred Weber it, talking about the bakers in Bavaria. <laughs> Indeed, indeed, indeed. And uh, it was a quite, uh, you know, like a personal experience. Indeed, someone, someone, someone else was also complaining about the lack of uh, bread. And uh, we were uh, joking about the fact uh, he, should, uh, he should ask uh, Manfred Weber for, uh, for his baker. 
but also the liberal sejourner, uh, there was also a very good uh, intervention from uh, a former agriculture commissioner, Dashan Cholosh, who is now uh, MEP from, uh, for uh, um, Renew Europe, so the liberal group. And in the end, what, uh, what von der Leyen said, to be fair, nothing really new. Uh, she took, again, a strong stance against uh, uh, Russian lies, particularly when it comes to, the, um, uh, to how the sanctions are affecting global, security, global food security. Uh, she highlighted again that nothing in our sanctions, I'm quoting her here, prevents Russia from exporting food and fertilizers to vulnerable countries, which is one of the main uh, arguments, uh, we can also say lies, from the uh, Russian propaganda when it comes to uh, the, the consequences of war on uh, the global supply chain. But also, she also mentioned something that, uh, again, it wasn't really new for our readers or for the readers of the AgriFood uh, newsletter because uh, we anticipated this uh, last week, actually two, two weeks ago. So um, the EU is going to propose a solidarity contribution uh, which should come from the fossil sector companies that recorded extra profits uh, from, the, uh, from the energy crisis. So mostly oil companies or gas companies. And, uh, and this uh, solidarity contribution can support uh, some energy intensive production like the uh, European fertilizer production. Um, as I said, it wasn't really new, but uh, it was one of the, the, the only announcement when it comes to agriculture. And at the same time, she praised the triggering of the crisis reserve uh, under Comagacera policy, uh, but also the initiative of the solidarity lanes that uh, we covered from, uh, from the beginning here, here at, at Your Active with our uh, journalist uh, Jaroslav Buchta. Uh, so there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of mentions of what has already been done, let's say, uh, and uh, and also a bit of pride, a pride moment when uh, when she said that Europe is a top agri-food producer and exporter, and that's a great pride, and it gives it gives us responsibility in times when so many countries simply don't have enough food. So this is the main uh, takes when it comes to food. I don't know. I don't know if you were disappointed, Julia. A bit, maybe. I mean. I guess I was expecting her to raise the topic in in the main in the first part of the speech. Um, yeah, we've we've grown kind of. I guess we've grown kind of used to food security being in the spotlight. Usually, we're not used to being. Uh, you know, uh, we're used to being in a little um, in a little agri food field without people like Ursula von der Leyen paying much attention. But the last few months, with um, issues like food security, food prices, we've You've kind of come to expect uh, the topic to be raised. Indeed, 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 absolutely. Uh, again, the entire the entire sector was a bit disappointed, but then, uh, yeah, there was there was the mention. Uh, still, nothing on the how to cope with the global food uh, uh, price crisis, for instance. Um, just uh, actually, uh, the speech from von der Leyen uh, gives us a good segue on uh, on this um, the crisis reserve fund, 
which uh, you probably remember, it was one of the main, uh, it was already present in the previous program of the Common Agricultural Policy. In the previous, it's actually the, the ongoing one because it's gonna end uh, at the end of the year. Uh, but uh, it's been reinforced in the, in the next program starting from 2023 and going until 2027. So it's basically um, a crisis fund that could be triggered when there's a crisis. Uh, there was a lot of uh, push uh, for triggering it uh, during the pandemic, but in the end it was triggered under the, the Ukraine uh, uh, war. It's interesting because uh, our colleagues, uh, our colleague Natasha, Natasha Foote, is not here today because he's in Prague for the informal Agrifish Council. So the gathering of all the ministers uh, in the, basically in the Czech capital, because of course we are under the EU Czech presidency. And she had the, the opportunity to, to speak uh, to Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski and she and uh, Wojciechowski basically um, highlighted again the importance of this uh, crisis reserve fund and the need to increase in the next uh, in the next programs, not only in the next one, uh, the amount of money that could be at uh, our farmers' disposal. So um, again, it's uh, it's one of the main thing of the cap of the government agricultural policy, the EU farming subsidies. That sometimes is a bit uh, you know overlooked, but uh, it's actually a tool in the farmers' toolkit uh, to face uh, a bit of a safety net. But what what else is on the menu of the Agrifish Council, Julia? Well, um, one of the issues on the manager we already talked about last week, for those who remember, um, it's quite a big issue at the moment. Uh, it's fertilizers and fertilizer prices. So as many of you will know, um, fertilizer, there's, there's been quite the pressure on the fertilizer supply, both because um, the EU usually imports a lot from both Belarus and Russia, and because the production of fertilizer in the EU is very gas intensive. So it's basically two reasons why gas supplies are under pressure. So, of course, this is something that ministers in Prague are also talking about. And specifically, they are set to discuss, or they, they discussed, um, a proposal made by the Commission a few weeks ago, which is to scrap tariffs on, on many fertilizer imports and imports of um, basically products that you need to make mineral fertilizer. Um, and that uh, the Commission would like to scrap these import tariffs except for Russia and Belarus, so they would be exempt. That was the proposal of the Commission, and we reported on it last week uh, because it made quite the it was quite a controversy um, after basically gas supplies in Europe got even worse with Russia holding more and more gas supplies. Um, many stakeholders, farmers in the EU were saying what the Commission proposed is not enough because the Commission only proposed to scrap tariffs on specific um, types of fertilizers, fertilizer imports, and basically farmers were calling to extend this to all common, commonly used fertilizers. So this is something that the Commission already proposed and that member states are discussing now. Um, and indeed, um, Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski talking, talking to Natasha uh, also pointed out um, kind of the importance or the logic behind the proposal that the Commission made. Yeah, let's hear from uh, his words. Yes, we need to to to, to monitor the situation and uh, to, to 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 see what will be the mm -hmm. the situation in future. Mm -hmm. 
but you know, the, the problem of, of fertilizer is very sensitive for the farmers and this is uh, we need to ensure the food security and uh, the, the, the question the, uh, uh, the problem of fertilizer is one of the, 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 the biggest challenges for, for, for our farmers. But there weren't only the Agrifish Council and the State of the Union speech, uh, you know, as interesting events this week. Still uh, not enough. There was even more this week. Indeed. It, uh, finally, finally, we come back to work uh, properly. But yeah, there was also the European Parliament plenary, of course. Uh, otherwise, uh, Ursula von der Leyen wouldn't have, wouldn't have uh, addressed the MEPs. Uh, but in the uh, in this week uh, parliament plenary there was also a very important vote uh, is it right julia indeed indeed um there was a vote on a proposal that was initially presented by the european commission in november last year and it's a proposal on a, an eu legislation for deforestation free imports so basically this aims to ensure that products and commodities that are imported in the eu are deforestation free. So basically, if you go into a supermarket in the EU, you buy something there that you're supposed to be able to be sure that this isn't linked to deforestation anywhere along the process of production. So let's say that it wasn't produced with um, soy, that rainforest in Brazil had to be cut down for stuff like that. Um, now, this was proposed, as I said, by the European Commission last year, but um, there was a vote on it in the European Parliament this week. And so the Parliament voted on its position on this, um, on this proposal. And um, this was based on a text tabled by Conservative MEP Christoph Hansen, who's the rapporteur for this file. So the Parliament made some changes to the Commission's proposal. And these changes were, were widely perceived to basically make the proposal a bit more ambitious in many ways. Um, and many of these changes that the parliament made directly affect the agricultural sector, which is why we talk about the whole thing here in the AgriFood podcast. Um, so we'll dive on, we'll dive deeper on that later, but uh, maybe let's hear from Hansen, the rapporteur, first on why this, uh, this legislation is important. Every year we are waiting uh, before putting in place a legislation to fight this, we will lose another 10 million hectares worldwide. And even though the problem is not the pr most uh, prominent in the European Union, we are nevertheless responsible for over 10% of global deforestation because we are importing a lot of goods from uh, countries, especially from uh, tropical areas uh, where forests are uh, burned down uh, to produce commodities such as soy, such as uh, uh, cattle, but as well uh, cocoa, palm oil, etc., uh, that are responsible for uh, the deforestation. Now, I already mentioned that the Parliament made some changes, some additions, and one key step that the Parliament took was to extend the list of products that are supposed to be covered by this legislation. So the Commission had proposed to include six commodities, including, for example, palm oil or soy. Uh, but to this list, the Parliament added some things uh, that are very linked to the agri-sector, Notably, they added um, additional types of meat. Uh, so they added poultry and pig meat, and they also added maize. And this inclusion of maize especially made some waves since it's a key, um, a key input for the production of animal feed. 
uh, including in Europe. So it's something that the European feed producers um, have been a bit worried about. Um, but Hansen argued that for farmers in Europe, the step could actually be beneficial. So let's hear what he had to say on the matter. Besides the fight against the um, biodiversity loss, besides the fight uh, against uh, climate change, this is as well uh, something that will benefit from our, for our farmers in the long term because they will eventually as well get better prices for a commodity like maize that we produce in the European Union. Now, to delve a little deeper into these questions, I also talked to an MEP from a different party group than Hansen, um, Green MEP Thomas Weitz, who is uh, both a member of the Environment and of the Agri-Committee in the European Parliament. And he's also a, an organic farmer and beekeeper himself. So let's hear what he had to say. All right. So this week in the European Parliament, there was a, quite, a, quite a big vote on the EU New Year legislation on deforestation-free imports. Um, so first up, maybe we can talk about how happy are you with the outcome of this vote? Why do you think it's an important issue in the first place, maybe? We Greens are quite happy with the outcome. Uh, European Union is still responsible for 10 to 15% of global deforestation. Uh, and this now uh, elect, uh, voted proposal is a very good basis uh, to tackle um, the deforestation in the value chains and, and uh, in the product chains, um, we were able to include some more products uh, like rubber and maize. We were able to include uh, a bigger scope towards uh, other wooded lands. And I think what the biggest success, what was the biggest success of this uh, vote was that we were able to include the financial sector of also being responsible for deforestation in their value chain. So financing companies that are obviously involved into um, destruction of, of uh, forests and deforestation uh, also got to take the responsibility for, for what, what happens in their value chain. Okay, so overall, you're, you're happy with the outcome. Let's talk a bit maybe about the impacts on the agricultural sector, because there's some, um, some commodities included in this, um, in, or that the parliament wants to be included in this legislation that uh, are related to a part of the agricultural sector. So one of the changes that the parliament made in this, made in this vote is um, that it voted to include more types of meat than originally proposed by the commission, so including uh, poultry, pig meat. Um, and the rapporteur for the parliament for this file, um, Christoph Hansen, said, said afterwards that this came this push actually came from the Agricultural Committee, this push to include these additional meats. So maybe you could walk us through what was the kind of the logic behind this decision. Well, the European Union, and especially the meat production in the European Union, is heavily relying on imported soy. Uh, a lot comes from South America, um, Brazil. Uh, a lot of soy production is directly responsible for deforestation. And as we have soy included uh, into the regulation, um, that would mean that it's going to get harder to import soy from Brazil that cannot prove that it's not linked to any deforestation issues. 
what we see in Brazil and other uh, South American countries is that uh, the countries more and more change their production scheme towards uh, production of meat rather than only fodder. Uh, so there is an increasing market, uh, not just for beef, but also uh, for poultry. So basically, uh, they're feeding the soy directly to pork and poultry and then selling the meat on the European markets. And it's just logic that if we restrict um, the, the the soy trade uh, to non-deforestation one, we also need to restrict the trade of meat uh, that uh, originates from the same fodder uh, that we're tackling in the regulation. So that was a very useful proposal from the side of the Agri-Committee. Mm. And uh, the rapporteur Christoph Hansen also argued that this would actually benefit European farmers because it can evens out the market conditions if uh, European livestock farmers don't have to compete with imports that rely on deforestation. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, in a way, yes. Uh, I think the main kind of uh, background reasoning for this is indeed uh, the uh, fair markets uh, access uh, for European farmers with their meat products that now have to stem from fodder that is deforestation free. And if they have to compete on the market uh, with products Uh, as an example from South America that are that do not need to fulfill uh, this uh, free of deforestation label, then this would be an unfair competition. Mm. So you already mentioned the fodder industry, which is also quite an important industry when it comes to this proposal. Um, and one uh, other commodity that the parliament voted to include in addition to what the commission proposed is maize, which is, of course, um, very important for the for the feed industry and used in lots of animal fodder. Um, but at the same time, this step to, or this vote to include maize has been criticized by the European feed, feed industry, um, who are worried about their supplies, uh, especially in the context of the current uh, shortages that we see in terms of feed after the droughts that we had this summer, um, that kind of decimated uh, European maize production. So um, what do you think about this inclusion of maize? Can you see the points of the um, can you see the points of criticism or do you think this is a good step? Well, either we restrict the imports of fodders and um, agricultural commodities that are directly linked to deforestation, or we don't. And I mean, if we do, we need to honestly look into all the produce uh, that comes from this background, and that includes maize, clearly. Uh, also, the arguments of the industry on shortages, well, the European kind of so-called successful agricultural model is very much based on importation of animal fodder grown on millions of hectares abroad, which is then basically stuffed into animals within the European Union. But only a small part is really for home consumption. The bigger part is, to, is on, on exports of meat again into half of the world. And this kind of concept uh, is really questionable also in times of global warming and and of of also unreliable global value chains uh, so i think there we anyway need to rethink this agricultural model um, when it comes to maize uh, there is indeed um, a bit of a 
a problematic situation when it comes to the definition of origin. So up to now, um, well, maize from different origins is basically mixed all together and then sold on the world markets. And this regulation will uh, create a need to more clearly define where the maize is coming from and on what kind of land it was produced, uh, which will put a bit more bureaucratic burden on the traders. Uh, but the argument of the shortages, well, in the European Union, we're using 60% of our homegrown grains to feed animals, 20% for so-called agrofuel, and only 20% is actually to feed ourselves directly. So uh, the shortage, to argue with the shortage, uh, is very short-sighted because, uh, I mean, um, global warming and climate crisis is creating the, sh creating the shortages mainly. Uh, and so we have to tackle global warming to uh, prevent shortages in the future uh, and to argue with, well, relatively short-term shortages uh, against climate uh, um, rescuing measurements is really short-sighted. For a final question, maybe let's take a little look a bit into the future. So the parliament voted on its position. The member states in the council already um, published their position um, some time ago. So next, we're going to go into the trilogue negotiations between uh, Parliament, Council and Commission. What do you expect from this? What do you can expect from, from the member states? As we've seen, big majorities on nearly all uh, re relevant uh, amendments, um, which have been representing nearly the whole spectrum of political groups, uh, I expect that uh, this proposal will be basically carried also by the Council. Um, there, there's one point on the responsibility of the financial institutions, where we've seen that only few conservatives actually voted with us, but the majority of conservatives voted against. So. I feel that there's quite some reluctance in the banking sector to kind of adopt to these new responsibilities. And I fear that uh, maybe this uh, one decision that was pretty narrowly, a narrow majority uh, in, 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 in the votes in, in the plenary, that this could uh, fall in uh, the trilogues. I would regret that very much because either we look at the whole value chain uh, or we create loopholes. So, but this is to be looked at. That's all from us this week. Uh, this week, the AgriFood podcast is produced by Euractis AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna and Julia Dam, uh, with the technical support of Evi Chiori. This podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Stitcher and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU. I'm Julia Dam. Thanks for listening and see you next week.